Hello everybody and welcome to STCG Talk Series 2 Episode 1. It's good to be back. On today's episode we've got Cheryl Lamb Evans, who is Head of Digital Innovation, Services and Transformation at the South Thames Colleges Group. Here's what Cheryl had to say. Hello everyone and welcome back to STCG Talks. We're now on Series 2 uh, and it is a milestone for us because we had Series 1, which is a great success. So to get back into it again is pretty awesome. Um, we've got a great listenership around the world. We've been looking at people in, engaging and interacting with us from, from around the world. So United States, we've got Brazil, we've got Germany, we've got Canada, we've got Belgium, we've got Romania and of course the UK. So welcome to any new listeners. Uh, and today is also another first. Um, we're welcoming um, our brand new Head of Digital and Innovation at the South Thames Colleges Group, Cheryl Lamb Evans. So welcome, Cheryl. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's going to be a great episode purely for the fact that it is a lot of firsts happening. Um, we've never had a digital team in place at the college uh, and it's something that we've always needed. So it's a bit of a milestone now that we've reached that um, and we can kind of move on and improve and get better and establish ourselves so really whenever we start these podcasts Cheryl I kind of want the guests so you to uh, give us a bit of background about kind of your career your history to where you are now and then we'll discuss your new role after that I hail from the United States from a state called Michigan from a place that was so in the middle of nowhere um, oftentimes you can't find it on maps both of my parents were school teachers and so I, I grew up around education and all of their friends were school teachers. So, um, you know, th that that was a significant part of my life. So when I finished university, first in a degree in telecommunications and later in computer science, uh, I went into education first mm -hmm. with the state of Michigan Department of Education and then later working for Michigan State University. And this was in the early days of the Internet, really. And I remember, I think it was 1999. We required the university required students to have computers for the first time um, and network attached computers. So I moved to the UK in 2001 and I've spent time in football and media and fashion. Um, but then I moved to Oxford and worked for the University of Oxford for 13 years, first for the history faculty and then later for St. Peter's College. So um, I worked in IT there. So in IT in those circumstances, in, in the university, it's, it's not just, you know, uh, laptop servers, networks, but it was also in Microsoft 365 and a collaborative software. Mm. Obviously in a, in a university like that, the, uh, the academics need to collaborate around the world. And so my job partially was to facilitate that. And, um, also to give them the uh, digital learning tools to to allow that. Yeah. Um, and then also to you know, there, there was a lot of cool stuff available for in audio visual. So long gone were the days of projectors that never quite worked and screens that were always slightly yellowing. Mm -hmm. And um, putting in uh, touch screens, 84 inch touch screens around the site. So you know the the collaboration could happen with the academics, not just in their seminars and their rooms, but they could collaborate with the students in the room and with academics around the world at the same time. And we introduced Teams, um, and obviously this was pre-pandemic, so we never quite knew how Teams would become useful. Mm. Um, 
so people didn't really use it for the purposes that it was set out. You know, sometimes we'd send messages, but, you know, most of the 365 stuff was through SharePoint. Mm. But then in, um, I, I then worked for the Ramblers Association and I started the very first day of lockdown. And it was the quick and, and massive deployment of laptops and teams so the organization could keep running. Mm. So a significant part of my role was was Teams and SharePoint and making sure that, you know, although we were all sat at home and nobody was in an office, that we could all still meet and collaborate in a, a very, in, in as, as good a way as possible mm. um, during a pandemic. And it was incredibly successful um, to the point that they discussed getting rid of an office and, and going office free. So, you know, 100% work from home from mm. that point forward. Um, and so they, they, uh, they went for a hybrid approach, but still the, the majority of, of users, the majority of staff members stayed, stayed home using yeah. teams um, because they, they grew so accustomed to it. Mm. Um, at, you know, at South Thames colleges group, it's, there's not such a reliance on teams obviously there's there's a lot of teaching that takes place and, and a lot of a lot of educators do use teams um but i think there's a lot that can still be done um a lot a lot of people i've spoken to are against um against teams um i think primarily because they're just so tired of the pandemic and they want to see human beings in person instead of through um you know through microsoft 365 it's interesting though because although that you know that is the case um i don't i, I can't put any kind of statistics on it or or quantify it but there is also the fact that i think there's a misunderstanding that that when we used teams as a college group, it was to deliver sessions because we were not teaching face to face. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the pandemic obviously took that away from people. So we had to find other means. Um, but actually, it's important for us, I think, as a college group also to consider and realize that teams can still be used in the classroom. So regardless mm-hmm. of regardless of face to face teaching happening, which it is uh, in the most part now across the group, Teams is still a valuable tool that can be used within the classroom uh, to enhance mm-hmm. teaching and learning. So, um, you know, that's another message that needs to get out there. And now, you know, that will bring up things like maybe some extra extra training on how that can be done. But actually, yes. if you look at Teams in general, and as it was being used in the pandemic by teaching staff, and, and in fact, towards the end of lockdown and, and when people were going back to face, face-to-face teaching, the, the, the leap that happened with those teaching staff in how competent and confident they were in using it was massive yes so uh, what we don't want it to happen and I, I think those who embraced it it won't happen we don't want that to be forgotten because mm-hmm. the danger is then we're retraining again and, and you know how much <laughs> how much i love tra- training on microsoft teams but um yeah i think it's it's important that we, we we use that you know who knows is maybe maybe our main form of communication across the college systems i mean email to me uh, and i know we've had this discussion before pretty outdated um in a funny way i mean the necessities of email i assume is for external contact for me really now because for any internal contact i'm opening up that chat box in teams and i'm typing in the staff member's name and i'm sending a message um because it's so instant it's something something we're more used to i mean look at when whatsapp crashed 
I mean, or, or, or <laughs> Facebook, Facebook, you know, uh, as, as in general crashed, it was like, it was, it was madness because the form of communication we're so used to is that chat box and those short messages. And there's no, I suppose the formality has got, so the, the formal approach to messaging people has gone, but actually with that comes more direct straight to the point actually this is what we need done and that's it no no faffing around <laughs> it's like yes do you know what i mean yeah so yeah i think you chat two sentences yeah. you can get your point across exactly. um yeah i mean there's i i there's the fear uh with a lack of formality mm -hmm. but um it, it i find it much more efficient and i hope that the rest of the group um you know will also find that to be quite efficient so i suppose it's the perfect time to kind of move on and talk about your new role and you know mm -hmm. with your new role came my new role and mm -hmm. with all of that comes a brand new part of the the, the college staff kind of structure which is a, a, a digital team which we've mm -hmm. never had so um do you want to discuss your your new role having come from 25 years of it into this role in quality and digital innovation um you know, it's you know, I, I, I'm I'm reemerging and and with a with a brand new department with a brand new team, mm. um, and we can make it, I think, what we want to make it. Yeah. And we we've obviously got our challenges now, and we've we've just discussed one of those, um, but it's it's our job to promote and to break through to people that mm -hmm. you know there is a new way, there is a hybrid method of learning and we should embrace it and you know it, you know there, there was a time that let's say you uh, a student broke their leg and they, they couldn't come into the classroom mm. and now there is technology available that they can carry on their education instead of having to pause it or to fall behind yeah yeah no more snow days as well for staff members <laughs> yeah was, you know, snow, snow days were a thing weren't they where everyone got excited because college was closed and you couldn't really do much at home but yeah <laughs> sorry staff but sorry teaching staff, <laughs> well, all teaching staff and staff alike uh snow days are probably no longer possible um no you're, you're right i mean it is it's it's getting that um holistic approach to learning now i think if anything having the, the opportunity for learners to join us remotely is mm -hmm. nothing but a positive and yes. you know, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard some, some reasons against that, that they might become reliant on just being at home and learning from home. Um, but then you can just kind of say, well, if they're learning, they're learning regardless, mm -hmm. the results are right. The results are right. And it's Absolutely. not, it's not really a new model in a sense. It's not nothing new. This the online remote learning, even hybrid learning, nothing new. universities have been offering, open universities have been offering it for years. Yes. Um, and obviously they've, they've, they've made a business out of it. So mm -hmm. in, a, in a struggling sector, um, unfortunately, currently, um, you know, finances are tight, everything's tight. Maybe it's worth looking at how we can bring in learners remotely and still actually bring in some income to the college group as well, offering these online courses. Exactly. Well, yes, the, the, this hybrid model, yeah. you know, the this student population isn't limited to, you know, within 30 minutes of the colleges. It's it can expand nationwide and beyond. That's yeah, that's exactly it. So it'll be like a, a national college group. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. one of my best friends in the in the US, um, she's studying data sciences. Um, she's never been into the classroom and she's, she, you know, she's going to get an MA through one of the best universities in the United States, having never stepped foot in a classroom. Mm -hmm. And she's getting the identical 
learning experience and degree as those people who did go in every day. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, the, the, you know, that's no guarantee, but there, there is a potential that the student base could expand, as you said, nationwide and it will become a nationwide group. And there's also that consideration of um, actually the learner base that are are coming through the doors uh, at the moment and, and, and beyond as well, you know, generations to come. Their mm-hmm. learning style is, is completely different to what the teacher's expectations of a learning style is now. So, you know, um, the, the, there's studies, I say studies, there's, there, there are blogs that are written. Uh, I don't know what it, if, it's, if it's based on any real fact, like solid evidence, but people are saying that learners prefer face-to-face and being in the classroom. Now, I'm not sure I would agree with that personally. I'm not sure that's taken into consideration the learner or is it taken into consideration the teacher's experience? Because... Mm you know, they're consuming things a hell of a lot differently than than we were even when we were at school. And, you know, <laughs> their, their, their way of life is built around technology, um, mm-hmm. their phones, 100% their phones. And I know it's a, everyone says it's a cliche, isn't it? You know, they're always on their phones. But actually, a lot of the stuff they're consuming is based on that small screen in their hand. Um, and, you know, I think that's something that needs to be embraced and not shied away from. And I think these studies should be based on real learner experience. But that's just a little little point of view of mine um, when it comes to this kind of digital learning and online learning and hybrid, all that kind of stuff. And it would be an interesting report. So if if we were to release, um, you know, a a learning video, how many students watch it on a phone versus how many students watch it on a laptop. And, you know, I, I know that I would watch it on a phone, even though I've got a laptop in front of me, just because it's the easiest and most mobile option. We still become accustomed to that way of consumption of you of using your mobile mm-hmm. for everything banking shopping you know communication everything so yeah yeah it would be interesting to see that to see that study and you know the the pandemic you know online learning was it was making such progress and then we were all forced into it and i think a lot of institutions made mistakes but i think also more than that lessons were learned and over the next year there will be a lot written about how we can best do this, you know, best practice. And in best practice, again, before the pandemic is entirely different than best practice now. You know, because we went from, a, you know, a small percentage of people learning online to absolutely everybody worldwide. So things, you know, things will change. Um, yes, yes, teachers uh we're not we're not going to force you into anything <laughs> you know you're we're not going to put you know your your very job at risk um just that you know we we can you know maybe there's a better way and we've got to explore that but actually as you said once the pandemic hit it forced us all to take risks uh, it forced us all to upskill as quickly as possible mm-hmm. um to make sure our, the learner experience was was the best it can be and even now when teachers are back face-to-face in the classroom there's still i'm still getting emails and getting asked about new innovative ways in which we can use or they can use um yeah. technology in the classroom you know for example you know the, the merge merge cube is is incredible for sciences it's an ar tool um very simple app to use that uh, doesn't take up much storage space but you can actually hold for example a human heart and dissect it you know mm. uh, yeah. and, and, and and other other life sciences and all the, you know dna you can do uh forensics everything on, on this little cube which is just a paper cube you build and your mm-hmm. phone does all the work um yeah. so they're asking about those kind of things so it shows that actually 
they, they are digitally curious um and i think it's gonna i think it's gonna be even more so once we start introducing new things mm-hmm. yeah so now you purchased a 360 degree camera and a mm-hmm. vr headset mm-hmm. and even the ability to offer a 360 degree campus tour which can be viewed through a vr headset mm-hmm. You know, you know, that means that somebody who might not be able to come in, view one of the college sites, can do it online through an application. Yeah, yeah. I had this discussion with um, a head of science the other day, actually, uh, and she was asking the new stuff I had. And it just shows how curious people are. Yeah. So I was talking about those. Uh, I spoke about the 360 camera, but I also spoke about the drone we've got, the mini drone. Mm-hmm. And she just suggested, yeah. she said, oh, maybe we could just get a time when the college is quiet. You could come in and you could just fly around the corridors of the science block going in and out of the labs. So we could do that yeah. virtual experience, you know, brilliant. Yeah, why not? And then you can mm-hmm. and then you can link it up and upload it into things like ThingLink. And if any of you listening haven't haven't seen ThingLink or, or, or heard of it, um, you can place little hotspots on images or 360 videos or, you mm-hmm. know, drain, and, and these hotspots appear and learners can tap on them and information appears fully interactive and it's fully immersive. Um, so there's stuff out there that you can just you just have to look for it. And I suppose that's our job as well, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're we're yeah. the ones that get to research it, find it, and know if it's right for for our teachers. Absolutely. I mean, for example, I'd never heard of it, and that sounds that sounds incredible. That yeah, sounds it's really cool. This this whole digital thing's new to me as well. Um, in previous podcast episodes, I've spoken about the fact that I had to upskill really quickly. Um, I had a kind of grasp on uh, applications to use in the classroom and things that I knew would engage learners. And I, I worked with um, a learner base that were, were mainly um, SEND. Um, so I had to think on my feet with, with, with those types of learning styles. So I forced myself to research those things. And luckily, the stuff I researched was applicable during the pandemic. So things like Nearpod um, uh, quizzes, um, the site, so QIZIZZ was great with, with mm-hmm. across, actually across the board, teachers loved it. So, as you know, I think it's just, again, reiterating stuff that we've already shown them because it's still still usable. And we're going to be learning a lot. I mean, we've got some projects going on. I don't know if we can talk about the projects, but we've got these projects we're going on. We've won some bids, so we're going to work on some really cool stuff. Yeah. Um, and let's not forget stcgdigital.com, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which people can, can sign up to as well. And there'll be blogs on there, the podcasts. So it's a really exciting time time for the college i mean so your your overall vision you we've you've spoken about obviously the maintaining the microsoft teams usage and making it maybe a prominent feature of the the college group and then we spoke about these emerging technologies that teachers can use is there anything else you you have in in your vision for us as a digital team what do you think we what's what is your ultimate goal let's say for this year i i think the ultimate goal um it's very simple is to win awards and that won't happen immediately. Um, and I've, I, you know, I've spoken to Jane Morrison about this. You know, this is a two-year vision, but we can do it. I remember just before I started in this job, I was um, driving back from Wales, and I drove past a, a, you know, a college somewhere, and they said it, you know, they were runners-up, a digital innovator for the year. And I thought, well, we can do this. Uh, you know, there's no. It's not that they've necessarily got more money it's just they had the vision and we now have that vision but something i thought of on a previous conversation of emerging emerging technologies i think the coolest bit of kit i saw was quite simple you know and let's say and and you've got a whiteboard 
how do you present the contents of a whiteboard to an online audience? Because obviously the camera quality is quite poor. There's, um, there's a bit of kit and it's just magnetic bits that stick to the either side of the, the whiteboard and you put your, your pen in this little holder and you write on the whiteboard and it's displayed um, online mm. automatically. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, will be incredibly helpful for something like mathematics if, you know, they they opt to uh, go for a more hybrid model mm. that they can they can display their work online, yeah. um, which which didn't wasn't really possible no. and now is and that, that I'll I'll I can't remember the name of it but it's it's something that I'd like to show you, Jamie. Yeah, it sounds it's, good. Yeah, that was, that was it's a something. good little piece of kit. You're 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 correct. There that was definitely something. In fact, that was something that that came up again and again during the pandemic was the use of a whiteboard during the online mm. sessions. You know, and I uh, there's stuff you can get. There's things like like explain everything's really good, but then again, that's a separate application. So learners would have to kind of move away from Teams into there, and they get lost to be able to come back. And then the yeah. whiteboard in Teams itself, unless you had mm. the, the luxury of a decent tablet, it it, it wasn't great. So that sounds yeah. that sounds really really good. One thing I remember saying in my interview with uh, Jane with Jane um, is that you can provide all of this you know this incredible digital online learning capability, and we tend to assume that if we build it, they will come. But sometimes the analog is best. And it, it's about it's not about finding the newest coolest technology. It's about finding what's best for people and sometimes what's best for you know what might be best for it'll be rewind it's good for 70 percent of the the teachers but not for the other 30 percent so you know uh, also when i think hybrid learning it's also our job as hybrid about providing the best option for each individual definitely and then i suppose again that brings us on nicely to the fact that we um we are running a digital kind of staff survey and student survey because it's important mm -hmm. to recognize where we're at as a college group where staff members are at and how best we can support them and, and design these kind of more bespoke programs to suit yeah. individuals and and groups as well through training um so yeah that's 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 really vital and really key and i didn't you know having spent so long in it surrounded mm. by computer scientists you know i I wasn't familiar, and I'm I'm st I'm just coming to terms with the fact that not everybody is as digitally capable as a computer scientist. Yes. Like you know, <laughs> all of my friends were computer scientists. I you know I worked in computer science, and I, I just you know the people I was around had obviously you know we're the ones deploying this, mm -hmm. and we had we had a high a higher skill set. Because simply because this is what this is where our heads are, are located. Exactly. This is how yeah. we earned our money, yeah. and that um, you know the the digital skill set among staff and teachers, <laughs> you know, it, it's not going to be as high as a computer scientist. No, and um, and so I'm looking forward to the the outcome of this um, the survey, mm. this digital skill survey, um, which uh, will come this November. Mm to see precisely where people are located and how we can help them it's also going to be interesting yeah obviously for that fact which is which is the most important fact but 
it's also going to be very interesting to see where staff are excelling in digital skills because mm, exactly. there's going to be pockets of excellence, pockets of where people are actually at a very high level of digital skills. And then we can, you know, utilize that for, for sharing of best practice across the group because you don't mm-hmm. really know that, you know, not all teachers wanted to be teachers or, you know, trained to be teachers or studied at university to be teachers. They've fallen mm-hmm. into it. So what is their background? What are their expertise? You know, they could be from a wide range of things. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see the results at both both ends of, of that of that spectrum. And again, yeah. I think the students digital survey for me will be mm-hmm. really interesting because obviously I've already made an assumption during this podcast that everyone consumes things a certain way, which, you know, right, rightly or wrongly, it, it, you know, it, it might not be true. And we know that some students still struggle with sending an email but it's not something they're used to yeah so how relevant how relevant is that going to be in their future employment probably quite highly relevant but then Mm -hmm. so are all the other digital things surrounding it that they're good at so it's like you've got to try and kind kind of like uh weigh it up and and see how best students can be supported with their digital skills because we we're lucky enough to be in jobs and be in employment um but they're going out into this big new world where Mm -hmm. actually since we started in our kind of working life things have changed massively um and that can even be down to things like in within the construction industry you know they're using drones now to look at sites site analysis mm-hmm. 360 cameras to look at structural built you know structures of buildings it's, it's a different world so yeah, how can we upskill yes, them yes. it's you know yes yes it's going to be exciting <laughs> yes yes it is it is uh, and and you know you, you spoke of construction. Obviously, those are those are ways that technology has made an incredible difference. Mm. I saw a video earlier today of three um, D printing with concrete. Mm, yeah. That you know that well, you know what an incredible use of three D printing. You know when it, when it first came out, we had you know we could create plastic blobs, <laughs> and now we can create homes, and that's yeah. you know and 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 it, the that technology will keep moving forward. Yeah, and in in, in in all yeah, in all industries really, it's going to be really kind of exciting development, I think. And um, mm-hmm. there's always going to be some fear and trepidation over things that are new. You know, when I was teaching and new things started getting, you know, put our way, I was always a bit skeptical. You know, because mm. you, you're you're happy and you're used to the things that you're doing, but change is inevitable, and um, mm-hmm. with with the right support from teams like ours uh, you know and uh, um, yeah. Al Coleman's team as well anything's possible mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's the thing is with teaching if if the students are learning why you know why make your life slightly different mm-hmm. you know and and we've got to show people that in making their lives slightly different it can improve it can improve their lives and improve the lives of the students also mm. yeah definitely but as I mentioned earlier, we're also desperate to get out of this pandemic. That I think we were thrown into this digital world, and people might want to pull back from that mm. a little bit because you know that this digital world represents a very difficult time yeah. in all of our lives, and we just want to be around human beings. Mm. Um, so you know, again, it, it's finding that hybrid model that you know taking the things that were actually that were universally beneficial. Mm-hmm. and promoting those yeah definitely that is that's good 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 message we're not going to start sending 
post to each other <laughs> we are going to carry on chatting through whatsapp and through teams yeah yeah exactly that's, that's not going to go away anytime soon and there's things like um it's one thing that's suitable for one teacher might not be suitable for another teacher and i think yeah. that's 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 the way you've always got to look at things and mm-hmm. don't overcomplicate from a teaching and learning point of view don't mm-hmm. overcomplicate your lessons for the sake of using something no. new and snazzy but actually the only time I ever changed anything in my teaching is when I recognized the need for it. And the need for mm-hmm. it was usually when I was lo- losing student and lower learner interests. Yeah. Uh, and then you think, oh, what can I do here to make that a bit more interesting? That's where the trigger point should be. Um, yeah. Yeah. And also to recognize that, you know, if something isn't easy to use or if it doesn't work straight away, people will test it and then walk away from it. Because if it's not immediate, then what's what's the point what's the point in in asking people to use it if they have to jump through hoops and you know click seven buttons to do what they usually what they used to do in front of a classroom of students so you know it's it's about making it easy to use to make it usable to make it user friendly definitely and beneficial definitely and i think that's where we where the sharing of best practice across the group comes into play mm-hmm. and also sharing of best practice across colleges um different yeah. colleges around the country we've, we've had a we had a kind of small taste of that during the pandemic um where we were sharing ideas across different colleges which was absolutely brilliant because they these things mm-hmm. are tried and tested by different people and we know actually yeah. they do work they don't work um mm-hmm. and you know anyone within our college group who has any or discovered anything new please just send us an email or i say i say an email we talk about don't use emails <laughs> send me or send me a chat on teams with some smiley smiley emojis <laughs> yeah or what's that message uh, and, we'll, and we'll look at it and there's there's i don't think anything is ever off limits no you know if it yeah. works it works it works it works and definitely. we can do the, you know as much research as we want to do but you know that before it's written about in blogs, it has to trickle its way to the blogs mm-hmm. via educators mm-hmm. who found that best practice. Um, skip the middleman, just send it to us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah. social media is a great place for stuff, new emerging technologies in education. Um, you know, I regularly kind of scour through through Twitter just to kind of see if there's anything new coming out, things that teachers are talking about. Uh, and more often than not, when you see the name of a of an app. Uh, and you search it if you've got hundreds of thousands if not millions of teachers talking about it then it's, it's got to be good um yeah exactly it's a good test do you remember when camtasia first came out i don't remember when it first came out but um i, I do i do use it but yeah Go yeah it, it become it became standard so anyone who's seen some of the videos that, that we've done as a team during the pandemic that that wasn't actually done on camtasia that was on screencast-o-matic but actually we then looked at, at Camtasia and, and acquired a couple of licenses for it. And you can, you, you know, the, the, the main differences you'll find, and I, some of you are probably more familiar with um, something like Microsoft Stream where you can upload or record your videos, screen record your videos. Now that's that, that in itself needs work. So Microsoft, if you're listening, you know, yeah, let's, yeah. Let's, let's have a little look at your editing features and the, the tools embedding in, embedded in that because Camtasia and even Screencast-O-Matic, which is a very basic, screen recording tool the editing features coming from someone who used to edit audio for a living is very similar to that uh, and the overlays you can put in there um, you make your videos more interactive so uh, Camtasia can take you know your screen recording to the next level I think you can import I haven't used the newest version recently but I think you can import like little characters and stuff 
Oh, that's and, great. And overlays and yeah, yeah, it's really good. So it's yeah. worth worth looking into that kind of stuff. And for for learner engagement or just to, for for training purposes, I think videos are a great tool as long as you're putting mm -hmm. the captions on there as well. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's a great tool to have. Well, people learn in different ways, mm. um, and we you know we can't exclude um, we can't exclude any learner population. So yeah. you know, as you said, videos with captioning. So yeah. people who read, who learn via reading, mm -hmm. are catered to, and people who learn via video and demonstration are catered to. Mm. And the, the, not just for the reasons of accessibility, which is obviously yes. re really important, yeah. but actually, again, going back to the learner base. Mm -hmm. TikTok has changed the way that videos are consumed because, mm -hmm. it, you know, I, I don't want to kind of generalize and just say all, all the youngsters are doing because I know people, other people use TikTok who, who are of different generation, but those videos are mainly consumed with the visual and then the caption and no audio. Yes. Which is blows my mind really because <laughs> I'm, yeah. so, I'm so into like you know the how things sound and audio itself that to watch a video about audio just like what but it is a, you know, the audio is terrible yeah. but that's how people <laughs> it's the mispronunciations yeah, <laughs> why exactly. so many mispronunciations oh, yeah. yeah that needs work as well I suppose but it um... hurts <laughs> but it's how people you're right it's how people consume media so yeah, yeah. no and, and you you mentioned accessibility and and you know people have come to realize rightfully so that uh, you know a lot of learners are non-neurotypical mm -hmm. and you know th that they may they may struggle with a traditional type of education yeah. but with things like video with in captioning mm -hmm. they find it much easier and and you know for you know dyslexia mm -hmm. for example demonstration yeah. via video is is would be far preferable and I want to offer that to everybody Definitely. that, you know, it used to be that we'd create instruction manuals yeah. and, and now we create instruction videos alongside it. Yeah. That's, because that's, yeah. You can rewind all people, you know, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's really good. All people should be able to learn. Um, and thankfully the world has, has, uh, has started to cater to that. Yeah. That's the thing though, that, that, that's, that you kind of, I don't know, when you discuss things like how our students and our student base, our learner base consume things, so video and TikTok and stuff, but that's, that, that's I don't mean to exclude other people who use video to, to know how to yeah. change a tire or, <laughs> it's oh, the same exactly. thing, it's the same thing, you know, mm. you know I remember, you know, my, my mum and my dad would would ask me something as oh have you gone on youtube to look first because <laughs> it's always mm -hmm. it's always really good to find a two three minute explanation rather than me rabbit on <laughs> um, yes so yeah and you know when i change out light switches at home it's like <laughs> i can i could read an inst you know inst read instructions and be incredibly terrified of of changing out a light switch but a youtube video three yeah. minutes pause it am i doing this the right way you know is it going to kill me no done you know um any thought any kind of final thoughts you've got before we uh before we sign off just um as you mentioned earlier and as we discussed if you come across a tool that you find very helpful or a way of teaching or a way of learning that you find helpful send it to us yeah um okay. you know uh, don't let it trickle down to blogs don't keep it to yourself. Um, 
because that's our jobs. It's it's to make teaching easier and to make learning better. And also anyone listening um, who is not part of our college group, because obviously this goes out worldwide mm -hmm. to anyone, you can go on stcgdigital.com um, and there's contact, yes. there's contact forms there so you can mm -hmm. send us any suggestions. Um, we've had some lovely yeah. messages actually from people who've been listening um, who great. aren't part of the group, which is great. So please share podcast around, share stcgdigital.com around um, mm -hmm. anyone you know who might be interested because it's only going to get bigger from here. So that rounds exactly. it off. Thank you so much, Cheryl. Really good first episode of Series 2. And um, yeah, we'll speak soon. And there you have it, Episode 1 of Series 2. Thank you so much for joining us. And don't forget to tune in every week for a brand new STCG Talks. But for now, take care, stay safe, and we'll speak soon.